Like our content? It's funded by viewers like you. Please consider becoming a sustaining supporter of New Church Live today. So good morning, friends. Great to have you here at New Church Live. And I want to say welcome to our studio audience. Welcome to those who are joining us online as well. And it was, it was quite a weekend, a beautiful weekend. We got to celebrate a number of uh, weddings in, for New Church Live couples that were a lot of fun. And, and with each couple, it was interesting, and I'll tie this into the service itself. You know, they each picked a central thing to like do the wedding around. And, and obviously centered around God and covenant and all that, but also they wanted a little artifact. So one of the weddings, what they did, big surprise, because if you're from the Philadelphia area, the Phillies are doing well. What they did is they had a home plate. That's what they got married around, a home plate. And another couple had a beautiful one. One of the things we work on in our particular denomination a lot is, is this basic concept that, that what is love? Well, love is, joy, love is the joy of feeling another person's joy as if it were your own. So they did a little exercise with that. They took each other out onto a date night, this couple, Brayden and Izzy, and, and they, they, he took her out to a place that made rugs, so a little hand-woven rug. So they did that, which was really fun, really fun to talk to them about that. And uh, anyhow, so that became the central part. And Braden's buddy had a great comment. He mentioned this to one of his friends. And he said, yeah, I, I, took, I took Izzy out and we, we, we went to a weaving place and we wove rugs. And he's like, don't ever tell another man that. And, and that made me giggle because it's just the beauty of, of just watching as couples find that, that little wisdom of tenderness, that ability to reach out, that ability to, to just find those little things that will remind them of the layers, the layers of life. Because life oftentimes, as we're going to be talking a lot about today, you know, will go on to autopilot so easily. And, and there's nothing wrong with autopilot. Like, there's just a lot of life is that way. Rinse, wash, repeat. We do the same things over and over again. But how is it that we do those things and, and have those things as part of our life, but don't get so in autopilot that autopilot becomes the way we do our spiritual life as well? Because our spiritual life, which is our world of thoughts and intentions and, and God and the better angels of our nature, all those beautiful things, all of those pieces, friends, those are places where, where we can move beyond autopilot and really find something pretty incredible in our lives. Now, the layers, the layers, probably one of the most important anchor points, I think, is this beautiful quote. This is a quote from a piece of New Church Theology. We're not born for our own sake, but we are born for the sake of others. And that idea, friends, of... <laughs> It's, it's we're not here just for our own edification. We're here to actually learn how to serve. We're, as we often say, we're angels in training. God's given us our best intentions, those flow through us, and our job is to listen to those, to go to God's word, to, to move forward in, in that direction, really so we can get fully, yeah, we're not here for ourselves, we're here for other people. And it's not about living that in a way, like obviously we can overdo that, where life becomes totally about going out there into the world and very little about any kind of introspection. We don't want to play, it, play that hand too much, but it's, but it's just a basic orientation. Oh yeah, that's right. I'm here for other people. I'm here to bring and push out more good in the world in a very humble way, in the way that God calls me, in a way that just lets those gifts move through. And there can be a calmness to that. It's not pushing the string uphill. It's just like, oh yeah, this is, this is what it's supposed to be. And how do I just continue to live remembering I'm actually was born into this life to help humbly serve other people. And that's what it means to do God's will. And that will move us into layers way beyond autopilot, way beyond autopilot. And what do we discover there? Well, we discover a new kind of freedom. And it's a freedom that, that's not on autopilot. You know, freedom is such a difficult concept. Uh, you know, many of you know, you know, we have a sermon writing team at New Church Live, and we're just talking about this again on Sunday. Freedom is, is such a hard one to peg down. And it may sound simple, like freedom, well, it's just being able to do what you want to do. And, and I would argue, no, it's so much more um, multifaceted than that. 
Because true freedom, friends, it's, it's, it's when we have that moment where we're, where we're just living so completely from a self-forgetful part of us, our souls, that we feel incredibly free. We're no longer encumbered with, with worries and fears and anxiety and, and overthinking and paralysis by analysis. Like, all those voices just go away. And then we're really free. We're free from all that so that we can be free, the free from, so we can be free to. Free to do many, many things in our lives. There's a beautiful line from the Old Testament that I love. And it was talking about people bringing their offerings this is from Exodus 25. And everyone who was willing and whose heart moved them came and brought an offering to the Lord. That idea that, that it's when our heart, it's, it's, it's when we're moved, and we're just moved for our heart to offer things. That's where we start to really understand being born for other people. As we go through this today, folks, we're going to take a look at, at how do we get into these deeper layers? How do we start to see this within the context of this series, Life Worth Living? Life worth living is not life on autopilot. Life worth living is actually much deeper. It's where we, where we really try to understand these levels and really try to see them. It's so, I mean, it's so powerful when we get to see that. We get to witness, however briefly, that living from deeper levels and what it can mean out there into the world. So friends, it is so good to have you here today. To our online audience, thank you so much for joining us. And I know a lot of you join us later in the week or from a commute to Philadelphia or Detroit on Monday. Doesn't matter when or where. We are so appreciative to have you here. And we want to say before we have our first song, simple welcome. Welcome, everyone, to New Church Live. What a beautiful night for a wedding Between your heart and soul It's a beautiful time for new beginnings Moving on, breaking free, and letting go Have you ever been caught in a nightmare? Have you ever been trapped in a dream? Take a deep breath, close your eyes, open your heart, and let love inside. Cause the gift of tears will come your feet, and when all hope is dead and gone, pray on. Oh, pray on. What a beautiful day. You were when you were young and naive Shooting for the moon Not a tune Just a crazy kid born to believe Have your demons become your guardian angels? Does it feel like you've lost touch with the light? Oh, take a deep breath Close your eyes Open your heart let love inside Cause the gift of tears Will come your face Not all hope Is dead and gone Pray on Ooh, Pray on Oh Pray it up Pray it down Get down on your knees Brother And kiss the ground could be gone tomorrow This life ain't free So why not live in harmony What a beautiful night for forgiveness What a beautiful night for a song Wanna hear the kick drum pound Like a soul that's lost and found When the spirit's right, nothing can go wrong so take a deep breath, close your eyes, open your heart, and let the light inside, cause the gift of tears will come your face, when I 
As we look, folks, at, at moving our life and, and moving on and, and, and continuing to develop deeper and deeper levels, it's, it's, it's again, this is, this is the work of life. This is really what God's doing. So, so today, yeah, there might be some parts of it that are to-do list, but it's really a statement of this is how God is moving our lives. This is how things are shifting. This is how things are changing. This is, this is what opens up to all eternity more and more layers, deep, deep, deep layers of life. As we come more and more to understand just this incredibly beautiful concept, all things are to be from love, thus from freedom. That idea of, of from love and from freedom, when we act from love, we really start to understand, yeah, I'm acting from freedom because where do you feel the most free but in what you truly love? I mean, just think about being with someone who you just love to pieces. And a lot of it is because you can just be you. You, can be, you are free to be who you actually truly are, your best self. From love, from freedom, the two very similar there. And this next part, folks, I think is, is incredibly important. Again, I borrowed this out of the book that we're doing our book study on, Life Worth Living. And wonderful book by a professor at Yale, Christian professor at Yale, offering a lot of great perspective on this. We had our first small group just a couple of days ago, people from all over the country just sharing basics around, yeah, what is a life worth living? And, and one of the things we're going to be talking about this week in the group is, again, how do we move through these layers? And these are these layers, and I think they're, they're important. I'd actually tell you it's a great thing to take a screenshot of because I think there's a real paradigm there for how the Lord moves us through our lives. Let's take a look at this. So there are these layers, and each one has a set of questions with it. One layer is just the autopilot layer, and that's... That's the layer of just, we just simply do it. And, and folks, imagine driving here today, right? A lot of you drove here today. I think all of you probably drove here today, actually. I don't think anybody wanted to see anybody walking. Uh, you know, you drove here today. How much did you actually consciously think about the drive? Probably not much unless you're joining us for the first time. But we don't think about that. It's just pure muscle memory. It's just next, next, next. And then the second question, if we move just a little bit beyond autopilot, and this isn't necessarily moving beyond autopilot, it's just kind of a next layer of autopilot, is effectiveness. So we just keep on going through it, and then we start thinking, how can I just be a little bit more efficient with my time around this thing that I just keep on doing over and over and over again? Just pure efficiency. Then we get to the next one, self-awareness. Self-awareness is where we start to understand what we like, where we might have identity in these things. And then the final one is self-transcendence. And that's where we start to ask questions around the will of God. Now, each of these folks has its own questions. And I think these questions are important and they're completely predictable. Autopilot has pure order of operations. It's just, autopilot is just, what's the next thing to do? I do this and then I do that. It's just simply what's next. And then we have this idea of efficiency. And efficiency is how do we do these things more efficiently so that the amount of effort has the greatest outcome. We're looking for the biggest bang for the buck. And then again comes the next one, which is self-awareness. What do I want? And even that question, this is a little bit of an aside. It's a good question, what do you want? Always remember to pair it to the question, which is this. How do you know if you're wanting the right things? It's an important little distinction there. And then this last one, which is self-transcendence. And this is where we really start to ask the question, what is God's will? Lord, what is your will here? And to ask that really humbly. <laughs> you know, just God, just, just what's your will? What is your will? Not my will, but thine be done. Cornerstone of prayer. Friends, as, as we go down through that, as we go down through those questions, we have to see it as this beautiful journey from what's natural to what's spiritual. And the idea that God is always calling us on this journey. And I was thinking about with, with this service, you know, what would be an example of a story where we just see somebody really stuck on autopilot? 
really stuck in autopilot. And I think, I think we all can be. And that's a story, this famous story. And this story, many of you know, it's probably one of the most preached on stories in the Bible. It's a story about a man who's paralyzed and he's sitting by a pool of Bethesda. So this pool of Bethesda, you can even see it today, it's still, still there, it was a pool and, and of ancient mythology, ancient, ancient belief, uh, ancient Christian tradition. By this pool, handicapped people would sit and then once a year, angel would come and stir, an angel would come and stir the waters. If you got into the waters, you would be healed. But that's not where this person was. So let's just take a look at this story. Now, there was a certain man there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition for a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? It's a great question. I mean, that's, that's a multifaceted question. Do you really want to be made well? The sick man answered, and notice this, folks. Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another person steps down before me. So Jesus asked, do you want to be made well? And the guy essentially doesn't answer. He comes up with an excuse about why he's never been healed. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him who was cured, it is the Sabbath, it's not lawful for you to carry your bed. Here's a whole nother layer here, folks, of people on autopilot. Sabbath, can't do that. He answered them, who, who, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, who is this man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple, said to him, see you have been made well, sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus, Jewish clergy at that time, sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. There's lots of little autopilots there. There's, there's first off, there's, there's the man's autopilot, and, and his autopilot was completely around victimization. He had so cast his story so deeply that he was the victim that it was impossible to reach out and do anything else. I would imagine all of us in here both can see that in someone else and more importantly, most importantly, can see that in ourselves. That place where we just, we just are living in victimhood where it's just like, well, I can't do anything. Why can't you do anything? Because I can't. <laughs> it's not a reason for not doing anything. We're literally paralyzed. And we've got an immense story around it. An immense story that totally creates like this bubble that protects our paralysis. That's, that's really important to know that. And to know that that's part of the human condition, that, that bubble protectiveness that just says, yep, I, I can't do anything. I can't do anything. That's why, again, so important that we, that, we, that we just, we learn to move beyond that because there's nothing there. It's a, it's a pure self-fulfilling prophecy. So on one hand, we have this autopilot around a victim mentality. Just I'm a victim, I'm a victim, I'm a victim. Creates learned helplessness. It's a beautiful phrase, learned helplessness. Learn because we've learned a certain way of thinking and it's really cast us into a place where we're totally helpless. And then you know what I think the other one is? I think the other one is this. I think righteousness from this real, from these, from these clergy there who said, you can't heal them on the, on the Sabbath. You can't do that. Sabbath was the holy day. You weren't supposed to do anything. And it's, it's as if healing would be against God, would be angry at you healing somebody. See, righteousness can be the same thing. Righteousness can, can, can be this way, folks, where we, where we, again, just go on pure autopilot. Like, no, this is, this is the one holy way to do it. Period, end of story. And Jesus is constantly challenging that. He's constantly challenging the victim mentality. And he's constantly challenging when we're just too at ease, where we've created this bubble of righteousness, believing, yep, this is the only way things can go. 
Now, does that mean, folks, again, we never want to overstate things. I mean, it means so much of, of really understanding Christian theology is understanding the concept of the third way. The third way will always pull us away from easy polarities. And to say there's a both and. And with righteousness, like, of course we want to have, be righteous about some things. Of course there are some things that are just beautiful that we want to keep sacred and that we, that we want to protect. We just have to be careful it doesn't get in the way of healing. If righteousness becomes more important than healing other people, we're missing the point. Very easy to do. You know, and that righteousness, folks, it just, it just gets poked all the time. Like it just, we, we have this way, this world, we kind of get righteous about it. A little true, true confession story for you folks, from me from Friday. So New Church Live is very privileged, very honored to do a college chapel every week at our local college right across the street here, Bernathan College. And big surprise, we call it Friday Morning Live. We've been doing that for years. Wonderful experience, great young adults. And so these young adults, you know, one of the things that drives me a little crazy is they all sit on the sides and in the back, right? And because and, there's a bunch of chairs right up front and there's couches on the side, couches on the side, and they all sit away. So it's a little hard to preach when, when, when the kids are, the large part of the kids are in your peripheral vision. So, so I, I just had a little, some righteous feelings about this. Like, come on, kids, like you move in the middle. I know you just, you just want to be out on the edges because that's where you think the cool kids are hanging out, like the back of the bus. Come on, just move in the middle. You know, all this righteous stuff. Well, while I was away in California, while I was away in California with Susan, you know, uh, they had a meeting, they have a chapel committee, they met, and the, the, the committee's suggestion was to move the couches on the edges to the middle. Guess what happened where everyone sat on Friday? <laughs> they sat in the middle. See, and, and that was just this little tiny pinprick to my own, you know, idea of righteousness. No, they just wanted more comfortable seats. That's what we have to be open to. And it's, it's a small thing, it's a small example, but that's where we need to challenge our own autopilots. Our autopilot that may be around taking a victim mentality. I can't do anything about this. It's insurmountable. As well as we're on an autopilot around righteousness, that this is the one way to do it. For both of these folks, and maybe it's what they both share, life is always so much about healing. How do we find healing? Some of you watching or here live today you're seeking to heal from something trauma, traumatic. It may be the loss of somebody you really love. It may be an illness. It may be the end of a relationship. It may be, it may be a job dislocation. It may be any number of things. Victim mentality's not necessarily going to help that. And neither is this real overt righteousness going to help it. What we can do is we can ask questions about healing and really have conversation around that. Really look at that deeply and to allow ourselves to go through the layers more and more where we start to see these things at a, at a much deeper level, maybe even reaching the point, yeah, I'm not, I'm not just here for me. I'm actually here for other people. There's so much, I mean, boy, there's just lots going through my head right now, so I don't wanna fire hose people just a little example, a dear friend dealing with, with a really hard medical condition. He was saying, yeah, I'm not going to be defined by this particular illness. What I'm going to tell people is I'm living with X, not that I am X. I'm living with this disease, but I'm not that disease. And Jesus said to the man, Take up your bed and walk. That's that walking. See, that bed stuff, folks, that, that bed stuff from, a, from, a, from an internal sense, from a poetic sense, that represents our thoughts, our, our quote-unquote doctrine, our, our rules of life. And here's Jesus saying, no, you need to pick that stuff up. If that stuff, if your views of life, whatever that might be, 
if they have paralyzed you and they're paralyzing you and the fact is like it's comfortable to sit in paralysis. It's very comfortable to sit in paralysis. And here's Jesus going, no, I, I, actually if you're gonna discover life, you're gonna have to pick it up. You're gonna have to get moving. And I, again, I never, I never see Jesus doing those things with, 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 with anger. I see him doing them with, with a sense of joy because what do we discover deep within us? We discover deep within those layers, layers of joy that are almost unimaginable. Folks, I, I, you know, it was so good. It was so good this weekend. You know, New Church Life, again, most of our world is online now. So I don't get to see a lot of our congregants except at weddings and baptisms and funerals. And just, just to be there and, and witness the joy that people have. And the joy that when we get down to those deeper levels, when we, when we cross those threshold moments worthily, when we do that and when we cross them with humility, when we're not sitting in that autopilot anymore, oh my goodness, it's just incredible to watch the joy. Because that's embedded in some of the deepest levels of your soul. A quote here from Christian New Church Theology. The outer self has many characteristics that the inner self can live with. Think of the, the outer self as kind of your natural experience of life. Inner self, think of that as your soul. Positive emotions are an example because they are an effect of the inner self's, your soul's good qualities and of its joys and blessings. And I made a note there. Note, we all have joys and blessings on the inside. Like that is, that is a default at the inside. That is a default at the inside. On the other hand, there are many elements that are out of harmony that the outer, inner self cannot live with. Take everything that wells up out of selfishness. Anything from that source focuses on oneself in the world because that's its goal. Now again, take that back to the first quote, which is we're born for the sake of others. So if we're living just for the sake of ourselves, sure, we will have a nice autopilot existence, but, but who, really wants, who really wants to live just on autopilot? See, here's the crazy part, right? This is the joy of autopilot. Autopilot works because it will get you from point A to point B. Autopilot doesn't work because that's the only place it will get you. <laughs> it just gets you to that point. But you're going to miss a lot. You're going to miss a lot. Imagine a new dad coming home to a new child. And he can't shift out of autopilot. Every day. It's just has been the same thing. Come home, eat dinner, you know, watch the news, go to bed. Yeah, sure, autopilot will get you there. It will do point A to point B, but you're going to miss a lot. <laughs> you're going to miss a lot. And a lot of what you're going to miss, folks, is that, is that joy and blessing, again, that's embedded in your DNA, that is in your soul, that can become your stance to life. Because you've given it life and you've given it breath. So what's our answer, folks? Like, how do we, how do we start to move through these different layers? And I'm, I, I don't, I'm always like a little allergic to prosperity gospel stuff, like live your best life now stuff. That's not always going to be true. Some days you really are not going to be able to live your best life. You're just going to be able to tread water. That's the way life is. So it's, it's not about kind of this, this overt, over-the-top hyper-optimism. It's actually this. It's actually learning how to be thin-skinned. What does that mean? Well, well in, in a way, if we're overly positive, that's being very thick-skinned. It doesn't let anything in. And we could pick any numbers of things here, like being overly righteousness, like we saw in the story. That's being overly thick-skinned because it doesn't let anything in. Even this man was just healed, hello! And, and as well, the victim mentality, like the victim mentality can be very thick-skinned. It, it creates a membrane around us that doesn't allow anything in and certainly doesn't allow us the opportunity or the agency to change. 
So it's about how do we thin out the membrane so that we really learn to let life in and in all its forms, you know, those allowing life to be thin-skinned. Now, these ideas I have here, folks, these, these are just like miscellaneous ideas around being thin-skinned that I, that I think the Lord would ask us to consider. And this is my language. There's nothing canonical about this. This is just ideas for us to think about because that's what the Lord's word is there for. It's, it's to help us to think and to wrestle with things. And these are just a few ideas from a number of different sources. Thin skin starts out, we often confuse feeling good with mental or spiritual health. We'll be looking at that a little more. Looked at a little bit that last week, we'll be looking at that again. A lot of the time we think, well, proper mental health means you're always happy. No, <laughs> no. And hopefully that's not a surprise to you. Mental health is more about having the emotions that fit the situation and then taking the appropriate action. If your heart cannot be broken, you are not mentally healthy. If your heart cannot be broken, you are not mentally healthy. Because I think that's so much the way, you know, that's so much the way the Lord gets in. Uh, Leonard Cohen, um, ring the bell that still can ring. There's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. Genius, 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 genius piece of, of lyricism. I don't know if lyricism is the right name, but a, a genius lyric there. Because it really does. And there's humorous ways to say it. You folks have heard me say this quote before, and I was thinking about it this morning. You know, Mark Twain's famous quote, the man who picked a cat up by a tail learns twice as much about the cat as the man who didn't. And, and I like that line. You know, that idea that even those things that are really hard, that are really challenging, if, if we allow in a thin-skinned way, they, they really do crack us open into ways where we can really grow. And then the third one there, it's about awareness, non-critical, non-judgmental observation, where, where I just observe the grief. I don't let the grief, this is important, I don't let the grief wrap me into a victim mentality. Now, it might for a little bit. It might for a little bit. I remember a, a very famous book, and it was by a, a pastor, a chaplain, and, and one of her jobs, she, she talked a number of times about informed, it was part of her job, she worked for the, uh, for the game service and, and for the police, and, and so she'd have to tell families when a loved one had died, and she said, like clockwork, you could count on them spending about 20 minutes on the floor once they heard that a loved one had passed unexpectedly. There's wisdom there. Real wisdom there. And knowing, of course, you're not going to try to rush someone through that. And what you can do is you can observe that grief, again, in a non-critical, non-judgmental way. And that helps us here. This is, this is really important. This could have been a whole sermon of itself, so I'm just, but I'm just kind of throwing it like bread on, a wa bread on water today. Because what we want to do is we want to practice reflection, not rumination. We want to learn, on our, learn from our mistakes. We do not want to be obsessed by our mistakes. Learning from and obsessed with are two different things. And the victim mentality depends on us being obsessed with. And that is not from heaven, folks. <laughs> that is not from heaven. It's not how heaven works. Heaven is, heaven is just so much more able to, to hold the both and, to reflect. Again, important, it's important to be able to reflect on where we make mistakes. But we don't live there. We take up our bed. We walk. We find healing. That's what we're to do. And it's, it's not... It's not that the memory of all that goes away. I mean, the story doesn't say this, but do you think the man remembered those 38 years of paralysis, 38 years of despair? I'm sure he did. It was part of his experience. But not obsessed with it anymore. Not creating a whole paradigm, a whole worldview around it, but learning to do something far different. And then what can happen, folks, is then, then this starts to look different. We start to see the questions in a different way. 
the questions come up, and there are those four questions again, about autopilot, effectiveness, self-transcendence. Now, I'm gonna walk back to the screen here for a minute. I think what starts to shift, friends, is I think we start down at the bottom now. And we start to work our way up. And it becomes a cycle of sorts. So we find ourselves in a situation, we ask ourselves, Lord, what is your will? Not your will, but mine. Lord, relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do your will. Beautiful, beautiful little piece of a prayer there. And it's, it's just this openness. And it's not an intelligence briefing to God. It's not like, okay, God, what's your, you know, Reverend Ray Silverman used to do this so well. You know, he said a lot of the time we pick up the phone, we go, God's what's your will, and then we hang up the phone before he answers. You know, stay on the phone, <laughs> listen, trust that God will give you the opportunity and the words and the actions in that moment. Be humble, know that, again, a lot of the time, God's will, the way you'll feel that moving through you is by asking a question. A question will come out of your mouth. So we start there with self-forgetfulness. Again, we're not born for ourselves, we're born for the sake of others. And even being born for that sake of others, folks, if we're coming from that deep level, a little aside, we're oftentimes gonna have a sense of joy and blessing. That's just, I think, a real important little footnote asterisk there. And then we start to build back up. So, so I ask, Lord, what's your, what's your will here? As we start to see that, then we'll start to have this much greater sense of self-awareness. But it's not selfish awareness, and it's not false self-awareness. It's, tr it's our true self, our actual self, our, our what Emmanuel Swedenborg called our heavenly own with a small h and a capital O. It's, it's God's gifts within us that we start to understand more. So there's this much, much richer self-awareness. But it's not cocky. It's humble. It's where we're grounded in this, this is actually who I am. This is what I can actually do. St. Francis, many of you know his last words, his dying words, were, I have done what was mine to do. May God give you what is yours to do. That's, oh man, it just makes me tear even saying those words. That's true self-awareness. That's true self-awareness. And then, friends, we get, we get to this other part. If we go back up there, sorry. We get to this other part where, where then we start to think, okay, so now how do I do that effectively? How do, I, how do I move God's will and really try to figure out ways to do it? And then, and then the amazing part is there's an autopilot, but it's a totally different autopilot. It's a totally different autopilot. The highest angels were asked to consider this. They don't debate stuff that much. Highest angels in heaven, or the deepest layer, however you want to look at it. They don't debate stuff. Why? Because they just know. They just know what to do. Notice what I'm saying. What to do. They just do it. That's captured in the biblical statement, let your yes be yes, let your no be no. That's a different kind of autopilot where you just, where you just simply know. Like, folks, you depend on those people. I depend on those people. We depend on those people who we just know they're on that autopilot and we just know they're going to do the right thing. We just know it. That's a, that's a good place to be. And a very different way to understand this whole idea of layers. With all this, folks, it's not, you know, we, we can live life from autopilot and efficiency. Like if we'd have that chart back up there. We can live life from the top down. We can, we can live that pretty well, you know, and be, be successful in a quote. But, but uh, you know, uh, if we're just on autopilot and effectiveness, we're going to miss some things. And folks, sometimes we're going to miss stuff with tragic circumstances. Many of you might be following in the press, you know, all the, all the stuff around the, the, the cryptocurrency FTX thing. And I've been reading up on that. Some I find that stuff interesting. And, and those were just a bunch of people on autopilot 
who were trying to do this thing and just be more and more effective at it, and they were to the tune of billions of dollars, and they were highly effective till they weren't, and they were never asking the character question. They were on autopilot. It's all about gaming a system. They were figuring out more and more effective, efficient ways to do that. But nobody was ever asking, is this the right thing to do? Should we actually be doing this? And I think, again, that's where, you know, the opportunity, there's such an opportunity when we come at that from the bottom up versus from the top down. And with all of this, as we get ready for our middle song, remember the words of Mother Teresa. <laughs> and this is where it gets us right to the core of it. What does God ask us? He doesn't ask us to be successful. What does he ask us? He asks us to be faithful. Enjoy the next song. Morning, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Um, you know me, I'm Emily Drinker, but we're here with my friend John Gilbride. Welcome to John. This is his first time. Hi, everybody. Playing. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. We're actually going to start out with an original song of John's. It's called Long Drive Sunrise. Thank you, Emily. Yes. No, I love it. No. This all it means to be human When can I say that I'm free I ain't got time to think about the time the time don't really care about me Gonna paint outside those lights To color a wide open sky I follow the sound of the water I'll bend for the sake of the stream And if my eyes get tired I'll stop, I'll start a fire Sing along with some coyotes See another long 
friendly reminder to make a donation to New Church Live and it's super easy and there's a handful of ways. There's a QR code below which will take you to the donate page or you can text the word New Church Live all one word all lowercase to 77977 and you can make a donation that way or you can visit our website www.newchurchlive.tv and there's a donate tab there. Both places you can set up a reoccurring donation or you can make a one-time donation and all of your support helps fuel everything that happens here at New Church Live. We're so appreciative. Thank you all so much for making a donation. Thanks. Thank you, Angela. Boy, John, that, that song, Sunrise, just, just a beautiful song, beautiful song. Sunrise. So I think we all know this about autopilot. We run our lives on autopilot. All of us are one phone call away from no longer being on autopilot. <laughs> All of us have probably experienced a phone call that knocked us off route, where the autopilot no longer worked. A wake-up call, whatever it might be for you. So those moments are coming where we're going to get knocked off. And, and that's where, again, we can, we can just remember, oh, yeah, sunrise. Now, now I don't want to be too glib about that. It's not that if somebody just lost a, a loved one, you want to say, yep, and the sun's coming up tomorrow. Like, that's, that's not it. That's not it. That's not, as we were saying earlier, that's not, that's not mentally healthy. <laughs> that's not feeling thin-skinned. But important to keep in our mind at least in the back of our mind, probably rarely said, and it probably should be rarely said, the sun did come up the next morning. Sunshine. The sun did come up the next morning. We want to stay thin-skinned. We want to stay open to the grief. We want to let it in. Because when we do that, we're also going to be able to let in the joy and the blessing that is, that is deep within our DNA. We're going to be able to have both. And that's a wonderful way to live our lives. It's not, it's not going to be perfect. It just isn't. I, I love this, this prayer. It's a prayer we've, we've used in here many times at New Church Live. But, but because we're online, I think it's worthwhile for us to, to share it again. This is by Thomas Merton. And it's it's talking about like, yeah, it's just, it's just about these sunrises where we just keep on moving. Thomas Merton's prayer. My Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot, I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I am following your will, will does not mean that I'm actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does, in fact, please you. And hope I have that desire in all that I'm doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing of it. Good line. Though I may know nothing of it. Therefore, will I trust you always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death. 
I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. Thomas Merton. So friends, we're open to sunrise, we're open to surprise, we're open, we're open to move, move forward in life, we're open to those deeper levels, really allowing, and, and a lot of those times, again, it's, it's heartbreak that allows them to open. It's heartbreak that knocks us off of autopilot. And it's heartbreak in an interesting way that may be one of the most powerful reminders that we belong to each other and that we're born not for the sake of ourselves, but for others, including for our dad. <laughs> Take a look at this video. Sometimes life's greatest gifts can come from where we least expect them to. Here's CBS's Steve Hartman on the road. Time to go for a walk. When John Ivanowski's kidney started failing and he needed a transplant, the most likely donor match was his daughter, Delaney. But John would have no part of her. And I was like, well, why can't he just have my kidney? I just take it now. I said, no way. Why so adamant that she not help? She's the only thing I got. 15 years earlier, John's only other child, Dawson, died of cancer. So the thought of Delaney going through this surgery, no matter how small the risk, was more than he could bear. After losing Dawson, I, 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 I don't know what I would do. Fortunately, a donor stepped forward. Yeah, an anonymous donor. An anonymous living donor who also just so happened to be living in his basement. Unbeknownst to John, Delaney had spent the last year working with the transplant center here at Barnes Jewish Hospital in St. Louis, getting tested, going through protocols, and all the while completely deceiving her father until this very moment. Oh my God, are you kidding me? John says he sat there for quite a while, not knowing what to feel. <laughs> I started crying, hard to process everything, you know? It's because like... anger and gratitude have never been intertwined <laughs> like they were at that I'm moment. Like, I'm like, should I kill you now or kill you later? As time has passed, has gratitude overtaken the anger? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Most parents would give anything for their children. And when those tables turn, it's not really a parent's place to protest because the kids are just following the example you set. I would do it over and over and over again if it meant to like save him his life and have him here with me. How do you say thank you? Just uh, take care of this gift. The gift from her and the gift that is her. Steve Hartman on the road in St. Louis. That's a beautiful video. So again, look at the chart, right? Life will knock us off of autopilot. And maybe in knocking off, we can start to just look at things very differently. We can start to ask, what's God's will? What's God's will? And obviously his daughter had an answer for that. She came up with an answer. And notice the impact it had on her. Like her own sense of who she really was. And who she could, what she could offer to the world. And she figured out how to efficiently do that. <laughs> And a new autopilot takes over. Or she's like, well, I would do that a million times for my dad. Those are layers, folks. That's the beauty of when those layers get sewn together. And they're no longer becoming like this, this piece of paper out there, but they're actually woven into our hearts. They're actually who we are now. Exodus 25. And everyone who was willing and whose heart moved them came and brought their offering to the Lord. Beautiful piece of inspiration. Beautiful way for us to think about living our lives this week. Amen. What we're gonna do now, friends, is now we're gonna offer a little prayer, a little, little meditative piece, and then we'll do the Our Father prayer.
And then we'll do our, our final song. And just a, just a big thank you again. Thank you so much for joining New Church Live today. Whether you're joined us in person or online across the U.S., it's wonderful to have you part of our congregation. Thank you. A prayer. Lord, thank you for your presence here today. And Lord, help us again to move forward in purposeful ways past our inevitable autopilots. Not in a way, Lord, where we're ashamed of living that way, but in a way where we see the opportunity if instead we ask questions. What is your will, Lord? And from there, moving forward into life, into a new set of habits, into a new way of living. Progress, not perfection. Thy will be done, not ours. Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do your will, Lord. Simple ideas with huge impacts, not just for ourselves, but for our families and our communities. Thank you, Lord, for being here today. Help us to live this message with great joy and great blessing. And that blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, bring you peace, and bring you home. In the Lord's prayer. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, have a wonderful week. Thanks so much.